Hi, in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon, welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from Revelation 22, verses 1 through 6. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. One each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve. They will see the face in his name, and that will be enough for them, because there will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever, the angel said to me. These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must take place soon. My guest today is Mark Anthony Waters, who likes to be called Mark. He's the author of Three Days in Heaven and other books as well we'll get to. He lives in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. He says, um, Oregon, we're north of Texas, and I think that might be his description for everything. (laughs) He has a wife of almost 40 years. We could have a whole show just talking about how does someone stay married 40 years. Her name is Beth. I'm sure she's a lovely, patient woman. They have three grown children, two daughters-in-law, a grandchild, one dog, and one cat. And I love the fact you put your pets in that formula as well. Always important to have them. So, Mark, thank you. They're part of the family. They really are. You know, I, you know, being a mortician, people call me all the time and say, do you take care of pets? People want pet funerals, pet urns, pet headstones. We bury people in pet cemeteries. It's a really huge part. Or people want urns with their loved chihuahua, guinea pig, whatever, in their casket or buried with them. Sort of what we do. Yeah, we're kind of having to deal with that right now. Um, our our dog is, is pretty sick, and he... Uh, he, I mean, he, he he's doing great. He's getting, he, he's moving around just fine. But he, he's kind of, he's kind of exceeded his expiration date, so to speak. So anyway, you got bonus time then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And one correction, Elizabeth, we uh, we moved from DFW to Rockport, Texas, which uh, which is on the South Texas Gulf Coast. Okay. We've been here for about ten years. So give me the layout of the map. What does that sort of look like of Texas? Um. <clears throat> We're on the Gulf of Mexico, uh-huh. and so we're just we're about thirty miles north of Corpus Christi. And then, how is that in relation to DFW, as you say? Uh, about three hundred and fifty miles. Okay, south. so that's a big deal. Okay, so you are now just living large there on the Gulf Stream. Yeah, it's it's great. We love it down here. This wow. was a this was a vacation place for us for a lot of years, and we just decided to make the move, and you know pick up our bags, and head to Rockport. So do you wear a sunscreen, 365? We were at, we were at the epicenter of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, oh. And so, Ooh. you know, we just, we've just now gotten back into our house. We've been living in an RV for uh, the past nearly, uh, well, it'll be two years in, in August. And so mm-hmm. we're just now back in the house. So 
the town is still banged up really, really good. Lots of prayers are needed for these folks. I mean, you can drive around Rockport right now, and it looks like it looks like the hurricane happened yesterday. So, but that, we're we're bouncing oh, back. That must hurt your heart and those you love. Oh yeah, mm. I mean for for sure. I mean, you know, so many of my friends, um, they're still not you know back in their houses. And uh, it, it was just a big mess. But, you know, we're doing great. You know, the Chamber of Commerce, which I'm a member of, we've, you know, we've all pitched in. We've done what we can for our neighbors. And it, it's, been, it's been a beautiful thing, really. I mean, we've had the president mm-hmm. down here, the vice president, um, you know, several dignitaries that have con, you know, come down here and, you know, and helped us, you know, helped us move, you know, things along. So we're, we're, we're making it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That must be a little bit painful knowing, like you say, where you're living, it's sort of ravaged. And it's not a terrorist, it's Mother Nature, but still, Mm -hmm. that's hard. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I appreciate you coming in, definitely sharing your time. And I wanted to give you the space here. I know there's something you wanted to read from Three Days of Heaven. Do you want to set the stage prior and give us the backstory of what you're going to share? Or do you want to share it and then kind of tell us what we heard? Yeah, you know, Three Days in Heaven, it was really motivated because you know, I'm a heart patient. And I had, uh, and, I, I, and I tell this story in the book that, you know, I had emergency open heart surgery. Uh, I've never had a heart attack. I didn't even have a heart attack, you know, when I first went in. It was just a fluke that they found um, 80% and 95% blockage in, you know, two of my main, uh, you know, arteries. And so, you know, I survived that, and, you know, that was all fine and good. Then a couple of years later, I had a little bit of a scare, and uh, I thought I actually was having a heart attack. And after I left, I, you know, I just told myself, I've got to write something about this. I'd already written a book, so this was kind of my second. And so, you know, it was all really motivated, you know, by the things that I went through as a heart patient. But this one thing, so, so that kind of set the thing up. Uh, Tony, uh, the main character, uh, quote-unquote, dies and goes to heaven and meets up with God, Jesus, and Moses and uh, on a heavenly golf course of all places. Yeah, there's so, lots of golf in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a golfer, and it just seemed, I don't know why it just kind of made it, it, it worked for the story that I wanted to tell yeah. and, you know, my, you know, my viewpoint of what heaven might be like. But anyway, uh, he spends a lot of time up there learning uh, about faith, what faith means, what faith is, you know, and how to move that faith forward. And, and so anyway, this is a little part here that I, I, really, I really like, and I'd just like to read that if I could. You bet. But anyway, God says, forgiveness leads to faith, and faith becomes the foundation for continued forgiveness. When they come to believe and accept the truth, it is then they will find me, and I will be waiting. And God continues, let's get back to the story. Sometimes good people do bad deeds, and sometimes bad people do good deeds. A man who steals a loaf of bread to feed his family, is that sin? And then Tony says, I don't see how it could be. And then God says, well, guess what sport it is? And as I said, sin is sin, but sometimes the sin is shadowed by the greater good. I'm fair and compassionate. On top of that, I'm in the forgiveness business, and that's fine by me. I'm not as mean and tough as some would have you believe it's a lot less stressful to forgive than to persecute if i hounded everyone who sinned heaven would be a pretty lonely place and then god whispers behind his hand (laughs) this is something that cracks me up and i've seen some doozies love faith and forgiveness go a long way you people should try it sometime anyway he continues and he says he stands beside me and using one of his fingers pokes me in the side 
Do you read the Bible? And then I confess that not as much as I should. That's okay. You're a busy man. Then in an instant, he raises his voice and shouts, make time. There's a ton of useful information on those pages. Considered a guide for living. Some say it's a bunch of gibberish. It's not. They are inspirational words by inspired people and approved by yours truly. Do you know what my favorite verse is? And then Tony goes, there are so many. Which one? Romans 8.28. I rub my chin and say, hmm, I'm not familiar with that one. Figures, I'll paraphrase. All things are for the good to those that believe in me. So you can clearly see the picture. I said all things are for the good, not some things, not every so often, or when I feel like it, but all things, all the time, for those who are faithful and believe. Get it? Got it. So anyway, it, <clears throat> there's a little bit of you know that going on. I, I mix a lot of humor with with the book. I've I never, you know, uh, I, I've been I've been challenged of the somewhat irreverence of it. You know, turning God into more of a human figure. But that's that's kind of how I I feel. Um, you know, we did all the things that we needed to do to get to heaven. You know, so why shouldn't things be a little bit more on a personal one-on-one base, basis with God. So that's that's kind of my take. I think it's your view of heaven, right? <clears throat> I mean, I think we could look at it like there's a man on a big chair with a big stick who's going to say mean things, or it can really be more beautiful, because if you've lived a beautiful life, why wouldn't it be your version? Well, yeah, you know, I saw the movie, uh, uh, What Dreams Might Come. Is that, am I saying that right? With Robin Williams, where his wife had committed suicide? I don't get out of the house much. I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it's about a 15-year-old movie, but anyway, I think it was called What Dreams May Come. But anyway, the, the vision of heaven there was just beautiful. I mean, the landscape, the everything. That, that's kind of how I see heaven. But, you know, none of us really know. I'm writing that down. Thank you. I'm getting to the point where my husband and I are saying, okay, we don't spend much time together besides funerals and hospital visits to the morgue and all that. Let's do something else. And so we've been discovering that there's beautiful television out there. There's Netflix and there's Hulu and there's all these things. So I'm writing that down and we will watch that. And I'm going to email you back and probably tell you what a fantastic movie it is. Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, it'll 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 rip your heart out. But it's 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 kind of like my book, you know. You you go through these emotional things, but then you get to the last line of the last chapter, of the last page, and you 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 walk away smiling. And that's that's how that movie was. But anyway, why specifically did you choose Romans eight twenty eight? That's been one of my very favorite. I I, I love that, um, and I like the way that I explain it. That you know, it, I mean, it's done. You know. <clears throat> once it's once he has said it is, it is, and nothing changes. And that's why I explain not every once in a while, not whenever I feel like it. But you know, all things are for the good to the, to those that believe in me. And so, and I, I go on to say, oh, by the way, let me let me finish this. Okay, okay, so got it. But it's tough to accept some things and trust there's a good in there somewhere. It's called faith, Tony. And no, I don't expect you to do a tap dance when something bad happens. But trust me, those who believe will survive no matter what. And that's true. And, you know, like with my sister, I, I, I told you about my sister that mm-hmm. you know, she committed suicide several, several years ago. It's been about 15 years ago. And that was, that was tough. That was the hardest thing up to this, up to this point that I have gone through. And, um, 
But I got to thinking, where is there any good in this? And I still struggle with that. But um, there were some things that did come out of it. Um, you know, a lot of my faith was re-restored. Uh, I had a clearer understanding of why people do take their lives and and that it's not, you know, folks that are, um, you know, the, the, the easy way out or, or, you know, they don't care about anybody else. I mean, there's a, there was a deeper understanding, and I got real involved with suicide awareness and prevention. And uh, as a matter of fact, we have a chapter down here uh, for a suicide awareness program. As a matter of fact, it's the first one in Texas. So uh, I'm really proud of that. And, and you know, that's that's I don't know. Maybe that's where the good is. I, I don't know. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's really hard work, and you're doing it. Really, really strong work. And also, I learned that you also owned and operated an adolescent drug and alcohol treatment program. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. That's okay. So you're this saint or um, wonderful person on earth, right? I mean, I think <laughs> doesn't God give us this power and these uh, these oh my goodness sakes these uh, the love. I think that some of us have a little bit more of a brighter light inside us than others, and you truly not only have that, but are using it for great things. Well, I appreciate that. Well, that's the truth. Gosh, could you just tell us a little bit about any of that work and how that either changed you, how you felt you could help somebody? Are you talking about the... Um, the drug and alcohol business for the kids? You know, any of it. I think that's all. Everybody's really heading to an end, right? They're heading to a demise if you're really part of that or if you're, or even you're dealing with the, the suicide of somebody. So just, uh, you kind of give us, paint us this picture, tell us a story, just something of how that touched you and how profound that was for you. Well, you know, the working with kids, I mean, I loved, I loved working with those kids and I, I worked with a lot of the socioeconomic uh, disadvantaged kids in the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, I had three centers. Uh, we were making just tons of money, and and we poured it all back into the business. And I guess the thing that affected me the most, we had a lot of gang kids. And you know, I'd see on the news, you know, at least once a month, you know, one of my one of my kids, you know, was was killed, and it almost got to where it was just, I became numb to it. And um, <clears throat> I eventually sold the practice and, and uh, did a few other things and moved down here. And then, of course, when, you know, my sister, you know, ended her life, um, that, that started another book. And it took me a while to get to that point. But, um, you know, that's when I came out with Suicide by Death, which is a, which is a very tough read. It was tough for me to write. Um, you know, I, I, I cried, you know, a lot during the thing and, uh, but it got out there and I'll tell you, Elizabeth, I have gotten more feedback and more from, from veterans suffering from PTSD that have read the book and they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then conversely with three days in heaven, I was very concerned about it in the beginning because like one of my reviewers said, it's, it's, um, it's beautifully irreverent. And, uh, you know, I really wrestled with that. You know, what, is, what does that mean? But um, I've had some of the most devoted Christians read this thing, little old ladies, Southern Baptist types, that, that wrote me messages, and they're like, this is the best book I've ever read. And, That's uh, awesome. And I, I was like, wow, <laughs> great. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun to write. I had a blast writing Three Days in Heaven. I mean, I just zipped through it. And it should be fun. I think writers sometimes have a writer's block or they have set hours they need to do this. But mm-hmm. like you're saying, do you find that you're making your writing a kind of a spiritual practice for you? Oh, absolutely. There's no no doubt in my mind. One, <clears throat> you know, Three Days in Heaven has served a particular purpose in my mind. Suicide by Death has served another particular purpose. And uh, both are kind of awareness kinds of books. You know, one... You know, I'm not in the soul-saving business, and, it, and certainly if that is a, a, if they get that out of this, uh, great. You know, um, with the other book, you know, it, I, I know that, and I know for a fact it has changed people's attitudes about suicide. And also, one lady wrote me uh, that she thinks about killing herself every day, and she said that oh. book gave her a moment of pause and wanted to get additional help. So, you know, that's, that's great. But <clears throat> the three days in heaven was just uh, something I had to write. And, uh, and it was, I mean, you, I think you kind of said it, but it's kind of my, it's kind of my mission, you know, kind of my, my evangelical part to let folks know that from my perspective, you know, God is great. God can be your best friend. God is forgiving, healing, you know all those things, and he and he wants to welcome us, you know, with open arms when we when we get there. So, it's my take on it. How long, on average, does it take you to write a book? <clears throat> Three days in heaven took me about a year. Um, the other one took about a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then you go through the whole editing thing, and you know, from the time I write my first word to uh, until it goes into production. Yeah, it's a year and a half, two years. Can you think back to either one of the books? What was something that you had to edit out of the book that you really loved and wanted to share, but you had to do it for length or continuity or someone else told you that you needed to get rid of it? Uh, not not really. Uh, I, 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 my very first book I ever wrote is, is called Port Somerville, which is a fictional a uh, story about a fictional town down south Texas Gulf Coast. But anyway, I edited out a ton of stuff, not because it wasn't good, but <laughs> because it just didn't fit with the with, with the rest of the stuff. Uh, as far as Three Days in Heaven goes and, and Suicide by Death, I I don't think I edited out edited out anything. Um, you know, except you know, just the normal editing, but I didn't drop any you know, major scenes or anything like that. That's nice. Um I wrote a memoir and my editor read it once and said, you know, people really don't care about your thoughts of sorting other people's canned food. And I thought, but I love to do that. My one thing I love to do is sneak into my friends' pantries or their kitchens when I'm at their home or they're sleeping. Well, I'm invited to the house. I'm not just kind of creeching in the window. But I love to go in and organize their canned food. I take it all out. I wipe down the pantry. (laughs) I put it in really crisp rows, and I know what to do. I really know that you don't put alfalfa sprouts or what are those, asparagus tips. You don't put those Mm -hmm. by kidney beans. That's ridiculous. So I definitely know what's going on. I love this, and people always thank me for it. But I don't ask ahead of time because people are going to say, oh, no, 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 no. But that's something I talked about, my passion of that. My editor said, are you kidding? This is ridiculous. No one wants to read about it. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you never know. <laughs> You're laughing. You're having a good time with it. So you never know. I'm a, I'm a picture straightener. 
how does that work? You walk into somebody's house, and if it's crooked, it's going to get straightened. Do you do it in front of them or behind their back when they go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, I'll do it right in front of them. I mean, your, uh-huh. your, your picture's crooked. We need to straighten this out. Give me a level. Uh, I got a friend who takes out the vacuum. She'll be at a friend's house and she'll say, oh, this needs to be vacuumed. And she finds the, helps herself to the vacuum and does that. And I'm not sure. Picture straightening is just very A-level fine, but I think it might be a D or F with the vacuuming because really what you're telling somebody is your floor is disgusting and I don't want my feet on it. (laughs) As opposed to, you just have a crooked picture, no big whoop. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Okay, what are your favorite funeral songs? Oh, boy. Take Stay your time. Alive. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Don't know what kind of funerals you go to, but... Any... I, I don't know. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know that I have a particular... You know, at my father's funeral, he loved um, um, What a Mighty Fortress is Our God, um, you know, by Martin Luther. I was raised Lutheran, so that was kind of our anthem. Mm-hmm. But um, I, li- I like that one, you know? It, it, it's got a very strong message, but that was my dad's favorite. And, you know, you know, when it's my time, maybe I'll just have some folks hum it. I think that's nice, and it's good to know what you want to do. I was at an improv comedy show a couple weeks ago, and we were supposed to yell out things, and people were supposed to come up with, like, people on the stage were going to come up with ideas, such as if you yell out fruits, then they eat just a shotgun path where they just, they get pointed at and they yell out the different fruits. And I yelled out funeral songs. And the first person (laughs) said, Danny boy, and then everybody froze. And I thought, okay, well, I guess they're millennials. So maybe I'll get them that they probably don't go to funerals here in the West Coast. We take care of a lot of cremation. We're not necessarily bringing the loved one to the church. And maybe they haven't been to funerals. But I was surprised I didn't hear Amazing Grace. I didn't hear um, how great there are. I mean, there are some standards that you would think, you know, grandma or the great uncle or somebody are over the years. But so we've re- we're oh, yeah. really losing a lot of that really when it comes down to uh, what we do to represent and take care of loved ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. What does a funeral in Texas look like? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that. I did write a short once, um, a funeral in a buffet. Oh. And you know it's a big it's a big Southern thing that that boy I tell you especially if it's a Baptist funeral man there is going to be some food and it's going to be great but you know I mean, I mean it's pretty traditional stuff I mean I, I think that it I don't know that it varies that much from you know from state to state or you know North South deal you know we just um, my father you know he had a military funeral my sister had just a traditional you know you know, funeral. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a. I guess I'm not a funeral expert, but I have certainly been to plenty, and uh, I've been to good. I've been to happy ones. Uh, we went to one here. Oh, it's been about a year or so ago, and it was it was the, the Unity Church, and you know they're a little. You know they're a little bit. You know out there and and you know, very spiritual, and um, I thought it was kind of a neat service. I'd, I'd never been to anything like that. And, um, you know, there was some dance, um, you know, people said, you know, the, the nice things, it was, uh, it was almost kind of like a, 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 um, oh, I don't know, um, a roast in reverse. You know, one of those, you know, those, those TV roasts that they used to do, Dean Martin and all that crowd, it was kind of that in reverse. 
And uh, but it was it was really a, a sweet wedding, a sweet you know funeral. What do you think about the concept of a living funeral? And this is something which was in a movie a couple years ago, and it was called um, Get Low. And it was the idea of Robert Duvall was in a small town. He was very not liked. And he went into the local undertaker, and he gave money, and he said, I want a funeral party. And he paid the undertaker, even though he wasn't deceased yet, to come out to the house and create this stage and chairs and create what you would do for a funeral, except for there's no body in a casket. And he wanted all the people to be able to say whatever they wanted to say about him while he was alive. And that's mm-hmm. a kind of a different situation. But let's say a little lady is going to be turning 80 in about a year. And she's really excited about that, but her health isn't so good. So she decides with the help of her family, she's going to have an 80th birthday party and that will technically be her funeral. So it's a living funeral. All the things you would be saying about her and getting up and making toasts and the stories and the accolades, she gets to hear them. Isn't that, I think that's a really, really beautiful concept. Would something like that fly? Texas would go with that? I could do that. You could do that. I'm in no hurry to go, but you know what? I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. Because you know that there's a golf course up there? I hope so. I'm taking my clubs with me. (laughs) I'm not a golfer. And as I was reading, I thought, oh, my goodness. Okay, he likes golf. And I was reading more. And I said to my husband, honey, this book, it's all about golf. And he said, well, let me read it when you're done. So that's, you know, that's up his alley. So, (laughs) but it was great. It was great. And I I like the humor. And I know you were concerned. This might be a little bit irreverent. But I thought, nope, I see nothing irreverent in it. I just see you having the viewpoint of this is my person journey to heaven this is what it might look like i will i will tell i know we're running short on time but i will tell you this one thing i there's um a priest here in town a catholic priest who had gotten wind of uh of the book i mean this was before it even came out uh he saw the cover and it intrigued him and he he wanted he wanted um to meet me and so we talked about it, and, you know, we chatted. And by the way, he's a three-handicapper in golf. Mm. Uh, I, mean, I have no idea what that means. That means that <laughs> he's a great golfer. <laughs> I mean, he, could, he, is, he is professional caliper if he worked on his game a little bit more. But anyway, we, he was giving me a little bit of grief about the book. He, um, um, he thought some things were not appropriate. And, 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 but, you know, he was very respectful. And anyway, um, you know, we said our goodbyes, and I picked up a, a Bible that he had on, you know, one of his um, end tables there. And I said, you know, Father, not to compare the significance of, of, of the two, but, you know, a lot of people have a big problem with this. And if they have a big problem with mine, great. I'm in great company. So, Coming uh, from yeah, a priest, that's, that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, I could... <laughs> I could I could really care less, you know. I wrote with my heart, mm-hmm. um, and you know, more more than not, have really enjoyed the book. So you know, I'm pleased and zero regrets. Nice, and I know that you want to share it. You told me about a generous offer you want to make to listeners and listeners out there. If you've enjoyed listening to Mark, email him at Mark, which is M A R K. Mark at MarkAnthonyWaters.com, and the first 10 emails he receives, he will send you his wonderful book, Three Days in Heaven. 
You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you to my guest, Mark Anthony Waters at mark at markanthonywaters.com. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.